Well, let me begin by saying that sometimes Buddhism is described as a wisdom tradition. And what that means is that it's a path of direct realization of the nature of reality, what we are, what, what is it all about, that kind of question. And there's a wonderful um, teaching that it's not our efforts that free us, but it's the truth that liberates. It's the direct living realization of what we are, not cognitive, an embodied awakeness that this is what's here. And what I'd like to explore tonight is the power of inquiry, of investigation, of asking questions, and the power of inquiry to really reveal the truth of what we are. Just to say that many, many years ago at the Insight Meditation Society, this is up in Barry, Massachusetts, one of my home retreat centers, there was one of the three-month retreats and a Korean Zen master attended, he listened to what was going on a bit. And there were many Dharma talks about the Eightfold Path and the Four Noble Truths and about loving-kindness and all these different teachings and so on um, and had a note and the whole deal. And um, one night he was invited to speak a little to the students. This is after three months of being on silence and going really deep into these practices of Vipassana. And he got up there and he said, everything you learned, not right, not true, all wrong. There is only one thing, one thing. What is this? What is, you know, this is the question, what is this? And so basically he said, all these teachings out, out the window. And it was really interesting that all the Zen teachings come down to, in his tradition, this one inquiry. What is this? So try this for a moment. Just close your eyes. And notice what happens when I ask very simply, what are you experiencing right this moment? What's happening inside you right now? What's the most predominant, compelling experience you're aware of right in this moment? You can keep asking through the evening, what's happening? The Buddha describes seven factors of enlightenment. There's a lot of lists. We won't go through the list, but what's interesting, these are qualities of the heart and mind that serve awakening. And one of the factors of enlightenment is wise investigation. It's inquiry. It comes from a quality of interest, and it's not a kind of mental interest. It's that deep longing that we have to know what's true. It's a longing that more than we want to avoid reality, more than we want to deceive others, that something very deep in us wants to know truth because we really want to come home to the living truth. So in the seven factors of enlightenment, this factor of investigation is a kind of dedication to the truth. And it's a dedication because it frees us. And what inspired me to 
explore this with you tonight is while I was away, um, I, part of the time I was leading a teacher training program and then I visited some friends, Jonathan and I were with some friends and well, this couple that we were with, one of them had just been diagnosed with advanced stage of cancer and the other is dealing with a chronic and acute illness in which she's maybe losing her eyesight now. And these two people were incredibly grateful for their lives, uh, filled with humor and wonder and appropriate sorrow, but they were very, very alive and present and inwardly free. So, of course, I get curious. There's a place in me that, whenever I sense freedom, wants to know, okay, so what's making this possible, you know? Because this is serious. I mean, both of them are in the thick of, um, you know, they're, gonna, they're losing a lot. And for him, what was giving him the freedom was the question he kept asking himself, well, what really matters? And whenever he'd ask himself, well, what really matters, the response was love. And they have this incredible relationship and friends and he's um, one of these beings that, you know, just this is it. And when he could stay really close to the bone with that, that love matters, there was room for the fact that he had advanced cancer and he's about to do radiation and he has probably a limited number of years. There was just space for it. And for her, her question is, what's really true? So there'd be stories, she'd, she'd, you know, hear that, okay, so my eyesight might be going now. Or even um, what's really true, what she was finding was, I can't go on a walk with you today, Tara and Jonathan, because I'm in too much pain, which happened. And then she'd ask that question, what's really true? And she'd get, okay, unpleasantness. But all the stories of it's, it's always going to be like this, or my life is, it will be a waste, or nothing good will ever happen, or I can't enjoy my moments... When she asked what's really true, it penetrated through that whole trance of the stories surrounding the experience and she came into this exquisite presence of, okay, there's this breath, there's this feeling of unpleasant sensation, there's this color of the blue of the sea, they live near the sea. In other words, moment to moment there wasn't suffering. There was pain and pleasure, but there was an inner freedom. So I'm sharing this with you because what allowed both of them to cut through the trance of suffering was a question that brought their attention to what was real. So let's explore that more, because that is the power of inquiry. When inquiry is done wisely, when we ask a question and it's not like tripping off our mind, it brings us home to the deepest level of truth. There's a traditional metaphor that might be helpful to share and that's that when we're not present it's like we're moving around in in the dark and we just bump into the furniture and we keep bumping into the same piece over and over again. And you can tell how we do that in our lives, our patterns in our relationships. They just keep redoing themselves, right? Anyone agree? (laughs) Not agree. You know, we just see how we just keep recreating the same reactions, the same ways of being resentful or blaming or jealous or insecure or needing to control. It's like we're not present, so we just keep rerunning them. And when we're not present, our bodies recontract in the same way and then we end up with certain kinds of illness and 
misalignments and so on. And we know how our mind obsesses when we're not present. So here we are bumping into the furniture and investigations like shining a light. It says, oh, that pattern's being replayed. And oh, underneath that pattern is that unmet need. And oh, if I'm really present, there's this opening to realize I'm not that self that needs to prove or defend. Oh. And there's a kind of homecoming. So the key feature of our trance is that we're not here, we're believing in stories, and usually there's a few flags. We're speeding up, we're moving fast, okay, that's one. Usually that we're not feeling our body, that's a second flag of trance. And the third is usually this judgment. Inquiry is like this pause and shining the light in the dark room where we're bumbling around in our trance and saying, oh, what's happening? And what we find often is what's happening is we're in a story of a self that's taking things very personally. It's like we become, we're the center of the universe, things are happening to me or because of me and I need to make things different. I saw a New Yorker cartoon some years ago and this man's in his living room chair and he's evidently upset or angry or something and everyone around him, they each have their thought bubbles and the wife's thinking, was it something I said? And the cat's thinking, was it something I dragged in? And the dog's thinking, was it something I buried? And then the parrot, was it something I repeated? You know? And it's like we're all living in this kind of taking it personally. So we're in the trance, we're bumping around in the dark, usually thinking something's wrong with me. And investigation, wise inquiry, helps to bring what's unconscious into consciousness so we're no longer a prisoner. Carl Jung says that our suffering and our neurosis come from the unseen, unfelt parts of our psyche. In any moment that we're acting out, that we're playing out our routine, and there's something that wants attention but we're not paying attention to it, we're in trance, we're a prisoner. So investigation, we're cut off from the whole, basically. Investigation is a pausing and it's basically an inquiry saying, what's happening? You can do it right now. Just pause and just say, okay, so what's happening? And let your attention go to whatever's asking for attention. It might be sensations that are predominant in the body, It might be a mood or emotion. It might be remembering the space you're in, the sounds. Pema Chodron says, the path of meditation and the path of our lives altogether has to do with curiosity, inquisitiveness, The ground is ourselves, this experience, to get to know ourselves now, not later. She says the most fundamental harm we can do to ourselves is to remain ignorant by not having the courage and respect to look at ourselves honestly and gently. 
this is the beginning of the path of meditation, to have this interest in what's really happening. And I was thinking about how I have a, a very dear friend also on the West Coast where I just was. And we'll, now and then um, she'll call when things are going on, when she's upset. And if I just, often I'll just say, so what's really happening? What's going on? And she'll immediately start crying. And the reason is because she knows I care. And just having someone that cares inquire starts to unfold what's there. We know that's what intimacy is, somebody that's, there's an interest and a care. And that's what we begin to offer ourselves in meditation. When we come and sit still, and it's such a precious and rare thing, because we really roll through the day and we often do not pause and offer any kind of an intimate attention inwardly. We just don't. So when we pause, there's this generosity of saying, okay, so what's happening? And if we do it kindly, within, if we do it kindly, there's a natural unfolding of whatever we have not been attending to that can help to bring us into more of a kind of wholeness. Our world enlarges. There's a a great t-shirt that just says, inquire within, (laughs) you know, it's very cute of a Buddha sitting there. And we're, very, so we're so conditioned to just like fixate outward and also to assume we don't know, we don't really know what's going on because we don't know how to pay attention. So we look to others almost to tell us, you know, it's other people's feedback that lets us know whether or not we're okay. There's this cartoon I have here with a, a woman's, uh, a gypsy, reading a crystal ball and she says to this guy who's obviously paid her for a reading, you'll fall for anything. And he's thinking, uncanny, you know? (laughs) So the mood of inquiry is a kind attention. I think of sometimes our inner parts as these shy, wild creatures and they're kind of, they, they lurk in the woods and to bring them into the meadow, into the open awareness, we need to ask kindly what's happening. If, it's, if there's a judgment towards ourselves, it just drives under the shadow parts. And I want to also say that when we are looking to sense what's happening, when we're cultivating this friendly, intimate attention inward, it really is not conceptual. It's very easy to say, well, what's happening? And then, oh, I feel bad because I let so-and-so down. Actually, I'm angry at her for asking too much of me. Well, I do have a life habit of overextending and it's hard to know when to try to help. And well, it's not re- I'm really not taking care of my own needs, but then I always take care of others first. And so maybe I'm actually being self-indulgent. And well, my mother taught me that because, you know, so it's not like that, you know, it's not this thing where we're, you know, ca- caught in this, uh, another form of proliferation. When we ask what's happening, then there's kind of an inner listening. Try it again. Just just close your eyes. And just sense what's happening inside me right this moment. And listen and feel into your being. Throat, chest, belly, 
without any resistance. Your inquiry can be like a vibrational hug that melts edges and lets experience move, dissolve, unfold. Now there's an art to this inquiry. What's happening is kind of the generic big question. But what we're really trying to uncover is whatever's going on that we might be habitually pulling away from. So I wanted to give you a a sense of how we can work with inquiry when we get stuck. And of course my best examples of getting stuck are are my own experiences. (laughs) So one I'd like to share with you well, I was just recently out at, at doing at this teacher training and one of the really powerful elements of it is one we had 90 people in this two and a half year training program. One of the women in the program is a sensitivity to fragrance and it's so extreme that she wouldn't have been able to come unless every one of us only used fragrance-free shampoos and conditioners and um, washed our clothes in a certain way and so on for a week before we even got there. And it's very, very extreme, but she gets, she gets really, really sick. So um, I was very, very dutiful about it. And the reason why is because some years earlier I had this experience that I want to tell you about. Again at IMS, at this retreat center, and I was there doing a six-week retreat, a silent retreat, And there's something called yogi mind, which is that after a while when you're on a retreat, because you're not really talking to people and and engaged in a normal way and your attention gets so focused, it's very easy to start proliferating on small things. That's just my advance to my story. So there I was, and it was a few weeks in, and I was feeling really happy. I had gotten very peaceful, and I was feeling a lot of metta, a lot of the sense of the field of connection I was in. And... um, And then I got a note from the staff and someone had complained that I was using some products that had a fragrance to them. And it was true. I had, um, I thought I could get away with my favorite shampoo and I just did it. So I was breaking the rules. Anyway, I took this nosedive into this incredible angst where I became so embarrassed. It was like, I felt like every time I was walking into the meditation hall, people were going around, oh, she smells, you know. And the thing of smelling, you know, that's really embarrassing. So I was, um, so I was ruining other people's meditations and I was an insensitive person and I broke the rules. And anyway, my metta, open-hearted, loving feelings contracted into this bad personhood, this shameful bad personhood and really extreme and exposed. It wasn't just I was a bad person, they all knew it too, you know. (laughs) So I began the inquiry that I'm talking about where I would sit very still and, and ask, you know, really, well, what am I believing? So this is the what's happening to one of the inquiries within that is what am I believing right now? And I believed I was a failure on the spiritual path, that I was a a very self-centered, bad person, and the fundamental thing of something's wrong with me. Like just in some way, this selfishness, this lack of sensitivity, I do this all the time, I'm a bad person, you know. So that was the core belief. 
and the, and with it was I don't belong. And then the the feeling, you know, okay, so now what am I feeling? That inquiry that drops it into the body, and it was a lot of shame and a lot of fear, and that was the core knot. And I kept watching how I was trying to get away from it, but that was the core knot. And then I asked, well, what is this place, this bad feeling, what does it most need? And what it most needed really was to feel that I was just being present with it, that I was relating to this awful feeling with a kind of acceptance and care. So this was the inquiry, you know, this was to kind of unfold it. And once you inquire, then the next piece is this radical presence of breathing with and feeling and being with. In a way, what every part needs always comes down to some form of offering presence. Pema Chodron said you can think of meditation as developing an unconditional friendliness with all parts of your being. So you inquire, this is part of the intimacy, to get in touch with those parts of your being, and then can we really offer a gentle, kind presence? And that's what I did, I just breathed with it and I practiced using the yes meditation, yes to the shame and to this fear and to all this feeling of uh, not okayness, just holding it kindly. So what happens with that kind of presence is, and this is the truth, whenever we keep on paying attention to what's right here, is the storyline begins to fade. All the stories of, oh my God, they're all thinking such and such, or this is what this means about me, or I've blown it, they begin to fade and what really happens is there's a sense of squeeze, tightness, sorrow, breath, sound. It gets very here, right here. And for me, when I could really just be with the, the unpleasantness, the painful emotions, a natural kind of space of kindness grew. And then more and more with that kindness, that became what I was. I am this kind space. And there's these streams of unpleasantness, of fear, of shame. What I'm describing is a shift in identity. That inquiry and presence helps us open up out of a limiting identity. And I was no longer the bad yogi that was the great violator. It didn't mean I was going to go back and use my shampoo. I mean, that was done. But that wasn't... my sense of beingness was not hitched to that small shameful identity. There was again this kind of edgeless space that was kind, that could see those patterns but not be caught in them. I also inquired into what would the experience be of the person that complained. Because, you know, at first she was the enemy out there that was making me bad. And I really started imagining what it would be like to be in a, in a body that was so reactive to smells, to smoke, to incense. Anyway, the, the last piece I'll tell you about this story is that a few years later, maybe four years later, I was at IMS teaching and giving a talk and I told this story. And afterwards, a person came up to me and she said, it was me. <laughs> 
was me, and she said, I was so embarrassed to write the complaint. I couldn't believe I was this, this you know, like wimpy complainer. And she said how, how, how all her issues were, God, I'm so oversensitive. My family's always said how oversensitive I am. I'm such a whiner. And she had to work with all those issues of what a kind of wimp she was. And, you know, and she worked with the same tools I was working with. What am I believing? What's happening? So I wanted to share that with you because there is a real power to stopping when we're stuck and having the willingness to really ask what's happening. Our conditioning is not to do it. Our conditioning is to try to fix or avoid or numb or judge or blame. So it goes counter to our conditioning And yet, as the Buddha described, it's a factor of enlightenment to get more interested in what is real. What is real? So what do we see that frees us? You know, if it's not our efforts, it's the truth that frees us, what do we see when we inquire? The first thing, it's been described as three characteristics. There's three things we see. These are universal. If we really stop, we're going to see these three things. One is we're going to see what's called dukkha, our suffering, which is that any moment that we're resisting what's here, there's going to be suffering. In other words, any moment that we have an argument with how it is, there's going to be suffering. So that's the first thing that we see. For me, I could see it so clearly. I mean, it was just so clear that as long as I was blaming myself, saying, this is bad, I'm wrong, there was suffering. When I stopped, I could see it and no longer be caught in it. There's a second thing we see. When you ask what's happening and really pause, you're going to begin to notice that there's no fixed thing. It's this changing, radically impermanent stream. It's just a stream of phenomena. It makes it very hard to stay trapped when you really surrender into this moving stream of experience. The third thing we see when we ask what's happening is that it's like there's this ocean with waves and when we really notice, oh, this wave, this, this, this wave, we become this awareness and we, we get very, very clearly that we're not who we thought we were. There is no self that our story was talking about. As soon as we pause and stop the inner dialogue, stop telling ourselves a story, the sense of self dissolves. It doesn't mean a sense of aliveness or awakeness goes away, but this narrowed story of a bad self or a good self dissolves, and that's called anatta, no self. We full with presence, a sense of connection to the world, but not locked in this separate identity. It takes a deep listening, a deep presence, and a genuine, sincere interest in what's true to step out of this perpetual movement that we're in of doing more and thinking and reacting and really saying, okay, what's happening? But here's what's exciting. Here's what makes it a real adventure is that whatever circumstance you're in, 
whether it's a circumstance like I was where I felt shamed and bad about myself or whether it's delight and joy or whether it's fear about something that's upcoming when you begin to investigate when you, when you really pause and investigate the whole mystery of life begins to be unveiled it's like all the assumptions kind of start fading and life gets really, really alive and mysterious the poet Kabir says when the eyes and ears are open even the leaves on the trees teach like pages from the scriptures so we'll do a short bit of practice and then there's one more piece I'd like to do so we'll do a little bit of practice of where you can explore something that might be challenging to you and do a little bit of inquiry with it just to get a taste. It's more, in, in these tastes we do on a Wednesday night, this is more to give you a kind of feeling of how to practice so you can do it on your own because we don't have enough time usually. Inquiry takes really sitting down in the experience. So pause. You might close your eyes and just invite kind of presence, a relaxed presence, where you notice what's happening. And sense if there's something going on in your life right now where there's a feeling of stuckness that's challenging, it might be conflict with another person it might be a health problem it might be something to do with addictive behavior but let your attention go to where you feel most stuck most inner reaction. And you might inquire, what am I believing? Are you believing that you're wrong and bad or that someone else is? What are you believing that's going to go wrong in the future? Usually beliefs have to do with something wrong, something you're going to lose, something that will never be okay. You can also inquire, what am I feeling? Underneath the belief, the body has a feeling, the throat, the chest, the belly. Just gently inquire, what is this like? Feeling the place in you 
that's in some way contracted, afraid, angry, hurt. You might sense what that place most needs from you right now. What kind of attention? What quality of heart? Presence. So we inquire what's happening, believing, feeling, what's needed, and offer our presence to what's here. For these next few moments, just to breathe with what's here, as if you could dissolve your whole body and being into a kind of loving presence for the place in you that most needs it. as if you're saying, what's happening? and then offering a very deep, yes, it's okay. I care about this, to your own heart. Noticing when you inquire and offer presence, what changes? Who are you when you're no longer in the story, but rather inquiring and offering presence? You can open your eyes and know that this is, again, a taste to return to. This is really a path of intimacy with our inner experience. And I want to drop it one more level in. I'm not going to take too long with this, but just to say that when we're in our habitual trance, usually we're more interested in being right and getting things done than actually contacting what's going on. But as we start to wake up, there's more of this courage to put down our certainty about things, to not be so sure, to be willing to put aside our, our, this incessant inner dialogue and just, without controlling experience, just sense, ah, what's here? When we begin to step out of our habitual cocoon of thoughts, then the inquiry can drop much deeper, this inquiry into what's true. Sri Narsargadatta, who is one of my favorite Indian teachers, says this, The real world is beyond our thoughts and ideas. We see it through the net of our desires, divided into pleasure and pain, right and wrong, inner and outer. 
To see the universe as it is, you must step beyond the net. It's not hard to do so, for the net is full of holes. When we get the knack of stepping out of thoughts, when the mind begins to quiet, investigation shifts from the contents of awareness, this sadness, this pain, to awareness itself. In other words, rather than investigating the contour of the waves, the investigation is actually the nature of the oceanness. Does that make sense? Does that resonate some? Just when the mind's not so busy. If the mind's busy, then the investigation's going to be of the forms of the experience. But when it gets quiet, we get to really investigate the mystery of what's called true nature, which is just the essence, the essence of awareness itself. Now what we notice is that as the mind quiets, there is more of a sense of openness and presence and so on, but there's still usually what I call a ghost self. There's a sense of, well, there's still somebody back there that's guiding the meditation and that it's happening to me. That's the ghost self. There's some formation, some sense of a self there. So this is the kind of most fundamental layer of what we call the trance, is some, some perception of a separate entity back there. The next step of inquiry is to shine the light on that self-sense. So this is what's called self-inquiry and it's really one of the most profound and liberating practices that, is, that are, you find in Buddhism and in many of the non-dual wisdom traditions. And it's actually very simple. You get quiet and then you really inquire without, it's not conceptual, who's aware right now? Or who am I? This I we posit. Or who's listening right now? or what is aware. Now what's important in this inquiry is the tone or the attitude. It's just a sincere interest in noticing, well, what's really here? If it's one where you're trying to grab onto an answer, it doesn't work. And if there's, a, if there's a striving or a grasping, it doesn't work. So just this relaxed interest, like, what's real? Who is listening? right now. The Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree and he looked into the nature of his own mind. He looked deeply and discovered the radiance of pure awareness. Now on the way there were different layers of experience and he paid attention to those and with each he brought the same inquiry and presence. And each time we bring inquiry and presence to whatever's there, with, with a genuine, sincere presence, it wakes us up out of an identification with the object and back into awareness. So when it gets quiet, when there's this ghost self, we continue. Who's aware of even this ghost self? Who's aware? One of the ways to understand what we experience is the Tibetans say the supreme seeing is the seeing of no thing. When we say, who's aware? There's nowhere to land. 
it can be frustrating or scary depending on our mood or it can be a letting go into this profound mystery a letting go into this silence and vastness that really is our nature one of the most useful ways to consider it is what is it about you that's always been there that's changeless and if we think about it, if we sense ourselves as, as the, a very young person, there was a kind of presence there, but our bodies changed, and our moods changed, and our emotions have changed, and our thoughts, and even the patterns of personality keep on moving and shifting around. But if you go to any period of your life, the one constant that's timeless is just that kind of cognizance that kind of presence itself. And it's genuinely, when we are really with it and inhabiting, it has a tenderness. One of our dear friends in this sangha told me about his dad, who writes poetry. Um, he's a Lithuanian, and it's, very, it's not so common in Lithuania to write poetry. And one poem in particular is called What Remains? And it was about what will be left after he's gone. And the line that I love is, my love will remain, my love won't need me to keep on going. So this inquiry into what am I, who am I, is really an inquiry that sees past the trance of any story we have about ourself into that awakeness and tenderness that's really timeless. Again, why don't we just practice a little together. And feel yourself here. Give yourself this gift in these last few moments of this gathering to really relax into hereness. with an interest to inquire into what's happening. Whatever's predominant, sensations, if there's a mood right now in the heart, interest, curiosity, sadness, fear, kindness, to include that in your inquiry. Ah, so what's this like? Sounds. so that you can listen to and feel the whole moment. Deepening the inquiry even further, who or what is aware right now? Just ask and turn the mind, this light of awareness, to awareness itself. 
and then let go into that, be that awareness. And if that feels confusing, just to continue to notice what's right here. To bring your sincerity to noticing and saying yes to this moment. And for those that like listening, feeling, and then inquiring who is aware, who is listening, or what is listening. Sensing that which is changeless, timeless, that openness and presence that's beyond any story of a self. Rilke puts it this way in a poem called Buddha in Glory. Center of all centers, core of cores, almond self-enclosed and growing sweet, all this universe to the furthest stars and beyond them is your flesh, your fruit. Now you feel how nothing clings to you. Your vast shell reaches into endless space and there the rich, thick fluids rise and flow, illuminated in your infinite peace. A billion stars go spinning through the night blazing high above your head. But in you is the presence that will be when all the stars are dead. So as we close this evening, to sense in your own path, your own life, how this sincere inquiry, what is true, can become more and more of an adventure of spirit, whether it's in a moment to pause and sense what emotions need inclusion, whether it's with another person or you might bring your interest and care to what's happening for them, or in this very deep way, who or what am I? What is really aware? A billion stars go spinning through the night, blazing high above your head, but in you is the presence that will be when all the stars are dead.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.